Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. Listen, you hear that? That's the sound of nothing. And nothing is what you'll pay for medium fries when you buy any Mickey D's new crispy chicken sandwich. It's crispy, juicy, tender, all-white meat chicken with crinkle-cut pickles on a buttery potato bun. Mmm. Buy one, and we'll hook you up with a free medium fries. That's like zero zilch zip. So try any Mickey D's new crispy chicken sandwich and get a medium fries for nothing. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Good morning, White Sox fans. I'm Jim Margulis, and this is your White Sox wake-up call for September 23rd, 2020. Let's go back to the idea of good morning. That's the standard greeting, right? Everywhere you go, you hear, good morning, good morning, good morning. Everybody's saying it. They've been saying it for years. It's always been a thing to do. But are mornings inherently good? Why do we assign this rating, good, as the standard? We don't know how the morning is going to be or how other people's mornings are. It's not like we choose to wake up. Mornings are there whether we like it or not. Just like Jose Ramirez is there, like it or not, with two on and two outs in the 10th inning, hitting his second three-run homer in as many days to give the Indians a 5-3 walk-off against Jose Ruiz and the White Sox in extra innings. Ramirez probably shouldn't have even had the chance to come to the plate, and Ruiz probably shouldn't have been on the mound. But Matt Foster walked Cesar Hernandez, and that brought the MVP candidate to the plate. Hernandez probably shouldn't have come to the plate either, because before him, with two outs, Francisco Lindor hit a deep drive to center that caromed off the very top of the wall. But Luis Robert was there. He could have caught it, he just mistimed the jump and misaligned his glove. It wasn't an easy play, but it's a play a good center fielder makes. It's a play we saw Delano DeShields Jr. make against Tim Anderson on Monday night. Had Robert made the catch, the White Sox win 3-1 thanks to Adam Engel, who slashed a triple to the left center gap to score James McCann, and then came home on a Nick Madrigal single through a drawn-in infield. Instead, a lot of people are going to be sore over this one, including Rick Renteria, who was ejected for a second straight game. This time, he and Tim Anderson were given the boot from the dugout by Angel Hernandez, who might have had the worst strikes on the White Sox I've seen all year. And given the number of terrible umpiring jobs we've seen this year, it's really saying something. StatCast shows Hernandez having a wide plate for both teams, but the White Sox had it more consistently called against them. 
The strike zone map shows 13 extra pitches being called strikes against the White Sox, while Cleveland saw seven balls called strikes against them. As you can imagine, offense was hard to come by, with the teams were tied at 1 through 9 on solo shots, with Hernandez taking Reynaldo Lopez deep in the first inning, and Jose Abreu responding with an opposite field blast off Adam Plutko in the sixth. The Sox were happy to see Plutko after Cal Quantrill used that big zone to make easy work of the Sox through four. But on the other side, Sox pitchers held their own. Lopez threw five relatively easy innings, allowing just three hits and two walks while striking out three. He wasn't electric, but he made the Indians hit him, and outside of Hernandez, they couldn't make him pay. Cody Hoyer threw two scoreless innings, and Garrett Crochet passed his first high-leverage test by throwing a scoreless eighth. He too faced Ramirez, and he clipped him on the forearm, which might be the way to go. He threw 19 pitches, and 11 of them registered in the triple digits. Alex Colomay then threw an easy ninth, but he couldn't return for the 10th. Rick Renteria said it was back spasms, but it doesn't seem like Colomay could have pitched even if he wanted to, due to Anderson's ejection. Let's try to lay this out. Yolmer Sanchez had already entered the game as a pinch runner for DH Edwin Encarnacion in the 8th inning. When Anderson's spot came around in the 10th after Magical single, Joe McEwing could have let Colomay bat in his place had it been determined that Sanchez was already playing short. Instead, Yasmani Grandal came to the plate as the last position player available. When the game headed to the bottom of the 10th, Sanchez headed out to shortstop and Matt Foster headed to the mound, meaning the pitcher's spot was batting in Anderson's place at the top of the order. Sox machine reader Lyle Mouton, I don't think it's the actual Lyle Mouton, wondered if Renteria was covering for Anderson by saying Calame had back problems because Anderson's ejection was the reason why the pitcher had to be replaced. I guess we'll find out the next time Calame is needed. It could be later today because it'll be a battle of number one starters. Lucas Giolito for the Sox and Cy Young frontrunner and MVP candidate Shane Bieber for the Indians. Giolito is coming off a couple of mediocre outings by his standards, but Bieber has also been touched up a little of late, giving up three runs in each of his last two outings. It's only inflated his ERA from 1.25 to 1.74 over that stretch, but still. Also, it's worth noting that the White Sox are responsible for Bieber's worst start, when they scored three runs over six innings against him on August 9th. Bieber has faced the White Sox five times since he's found this current form, and he has a 4.6 ERA with eight homers allowed over just 31 and a third innings. It'd be an upset if the White Sox ended their three-game losing streak against him, but it would be a minor one. I'm wondering if we're going to see Adam Engel or Gerard Dyson in Luis Roberts' place. Robert went 0-4 with a silver sombrero on Tuesday, running his rut to 0-24 with 11 strikeouts. And if you remember the Engel discussions from previous seasons, when a center fielder is not hitting, he's got to make those plays, and a couple times over the last week, Robert just hasn't made them. We'll see! First pitch is at 5.10pm Central on NBC Sports Chicago. Around baseball, the Twins took advantage of the White Sox extra inning loss with their own 10-inning victory over the Detroit Tigers. Detroit took a 4-3 lead in the top of the 10th, but Eddie Rosario tied it immediately with a base hit, and Max Kepler scored him with a two-out single to walk it off. The White Sox lead in the Central is down to a half game. Should the White Sox lose the Central lead, they'd still be in line for home field advantage in the first round with the best second place record, but they'll have to watch that as well. The Yankees continued to crush the Blue Jays, this one by a score of 12-1, so the Bombers are just two games behind the White Sox should that become an issue. The Indians are lurking three games back, with the potential to close it to one game if the Sox can't turn it around against Bieber and or Zach Plesak. Elsewhere, the Cubs lost the Pirates 3-2, but they still clinched a playoff berth because the Nationals swept the Phillies in a doubleheader. The Phillies have now lost four in a row, and they also lost their hold on the eighth spot, which is now occupied by Milwaukee after the Brewers beat the Reds 3-2. to 
The Cardinals maintained their grip on second place in the NL Central with a 5-0 shutout of the Royals, who were officially eliminated from the postseason. The Cardinals are three and a half games back of the Cubs, but a game ahead of Milwaukee. And to close it out, two more clinchers. The Braves locked up the NL East by beating the Marlins 11-1, and the Dodgers won their eighth straight NL West title with a 7-2 victory over Oakland. That'll do it for this edition of the White Sox Wake Up Call. Visit SoxMachine.com to talk about the game, as well as Dylan Cease's postseason role, and some notes at the minor league level. If you're new to the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever podcasts are found, including iTunes, Google's podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio.com, and more. Rate, review, tell a friend. If you're feeling generous and would like to support the site and show, you can do so at Patreon.com slash SoxMachine. Thanks for listening to the Sox Machine podcast. For SoxMachine.com, I'm Jim Margulis. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.